It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison, and this week I'm here with AJC reporter Bo Emerson. Welcome. Thank you, Shane. So this time you brought us something uh, sort of a historical Atlanta thing, right? Yes. This uh, uh, podcast is about Washington Park, which celebrates its 100th anniversary, uh, really starting in November, but uh, they just began building the park back then in 1919, November 1919, and probably continued up into uh, uh, 1920. So right. uh, we're, we're pretty much under the wire here. Right. Well, that's okay. I'm sure that there will be ongoing celebrations surrounding this, right? Correct, Mundo. Yeah. So um, t- tell us a little bit about Washington Park. First of all, I mean, it's it's great to have something that has lasted this long because, you know, we, we in Atlanta like to tear things down and, and, and pave over things and such. Well, but. I'm glad they didn't do that with this one. <laughs> and uh, it's it, it, first of all, it was the first park that was set aside for African-Americans to uh, have a place to go uh, cook out relax, play baseball. There was, uh, eventually there was a swimming pool there. Now there's a natatorium there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a tennis center there built in the 30s. Um, But it was um, the way that uh, C.J. Jackson describes it. It was kind of the seed for uh, a lot of the elements of the black middle class uh, that began to grow into the West Side from uh, from Washington Park. Right. So, and and C.J. Jackson is C.J. Jackson is the chair of the Conservancy at Historic Washington Park. Okay. Which is a group that is not only there to try to uh, rub off the graffiti and replace broken uh, mm-hmm. playground equipment, but to sort of tell the story of Washington Park right. and. Uh, uh, and about it's it's really had a significant role in in shaping uh, Atlanta and making Atlanta what it is. Right, right, and and she is involved with with this historical. Uh, marking the historical 100th anniversary. Yes, right? and in fact, they've had some some events already this year. Um, and uh, she's also been involved in doing, uh, sort of collecting um, uh, oral histories about uh, mm. Washington Park and uh, uh, talking to people that, some of whom, uh, you know, have been there not, not perhaps since 1919, but close enough. Her grandparents, uh, for example, settled in there. Right. 
Oh. And, and that's also in the neighborhood, which itself is also called Washington Park. Right. Well, uh, the uh, official date that the city of Atlanta ratified uh, construction to begin on the park is, uh, was and is November 3rd, 1919. That's on the, on the record books. And, and I was lucky enough to find that document for the approval. The first uh, 6.57 acres was donated to the city of Atlanta by a gentleman called Heman E. Perry, H-E-M-A-N. -E not and Herman Perry. Not Herman. <laughs> it's hard to tell people that. And Mr. Perry was one of the first black millionaires in the United States. Uh, he came to the South um, in around 1906, Atlanta, 1906-1907, and he started Standard Life Insurance on Auburn Avenue. And from that initial um, company, he developed 18 other businesses uh, with the express purpose of finding ways to uplift the black race here in Atlanta and in the, in the United States. Uh, at the end of the day, Standard Life Insurance had probably a presence in about 12 cities in the United States. And also to serve uh, a, a, a group that had not been served. That's correct. In, any, in every way to actually help black people build stable and strong middle-class communities. And to give them a chance to buy insurance when they were not able to buy it elsewhere. Buy insurance, buy insurance and quality, uh, access to quality and affordable housing. So uh, he donated that land out of his own yes. um, property. Was he? Was yes. it near his residence? Uh, he eventually built a house in Washington Park. It's still there. It's on um, Joseph E. Boone. However, at that time, uh, he most likely was still living uh, in the Auburn Avenue district, like a lot of people. Um, but the situation was that he was able to purchase uh, three parcels of land. Uh, and two had some existing homes on it. Uh, there was a West Side Park, Sunset Park, and then there was an abandoned par a parcel. So he had the money to pull those together. And, and the political um, skill, connections, to be able to say, you know, this is where we are going to stake, put our stake in the ground. So he had uh, uh, influence with the city uh, with with the city council and with the mayor and and, and others, yes. the the uh, and I take it those parks were more or less contiguous. Par well, they weren't parks; they were just called. They were parcels. They were parcels of of some uh, sectioned land. off, undeveloped. Some had housing. Some uh -huh. were just lots, mm -hmm. and they just happened to be called park, quote unquote. The park's gone through a lot of transformation since that. Yes, uh, it since has. It, was founded. it has. You've got an auditorium there. Yes, yes, that's been there since just before the Olympics. What and what else is what else? Uh, the tennis center uh, is there, and the pavilions. We have three pavilions. The large pavilion is one of the oldest structures in the park. Uh, the gates are original. The stone pillars are original to 1919-1920. Oh, uh, the tennis center was completed in 1932. And I know um, that former Fulton County Commissioner Nancy Boxel was the one to uh, give the, the money and the go-ahead for the exercise pad. So I think at, next to the tennis center, and really the natatorium, the exercise pad is very, very um, popular. I was watching people out there working out on it too. Yeah, they really love that a lot. 
Now tell why Washington Park is a significant um, part of, uh, of Atlanta and Atlanta history. At the end of the day, um, the fact of the matter is, is that the park was the first public space that black people could legally recreate in, in the city of Atlanta. And so the existing parks, and of course I don't have the whole list of those, but some of the oldest parks you can think of, uh, obviously Piedmont, Inman, uh, Grant Park, you, if you were black, you had to demonstrate that you were there for a reason, right? That meant you, you worked for someone, you know. If I was someone's housekeeper or nanny or whatever, I had to be able to say, yeah, I'm, this is why I'm in this park. So recreation and where people could be uh, became a big political issue in this city. And, and so uh, that was the place where folks could be safe as a black person right. and picnic and um, half parties and swim. That was the first uh, swimming pool uh, for black people in the city of Atlanta. Mosley Park's a little bit farther up the road and they had a pool and Mr. Perry is quoted as saying that he, he wanted to see his people have access to that. Now it was nothing uh, grandiose, it was not Olympic size. Uh, from what I'm told it was sort of a concreted hole in the ground, but that's what people had. And that was ex extremely important. And as I said, um, the Tennis Center opened officially in 1932. And that's extremely important. There was nowhere else to go and play tennis or learn to play tennis. Um, so what folks, I, you know, personally and through the organization, we need for people to understand that in our opinion, the establishment of Washington Park really forms the foundation of the black middle class particularly in the 20th century. And uh, that's critical. If you think about um, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was born in 1921. Well, if he was a 10-year-old uh, and they wanted to go to a park, there wasn't a park over in Auburn Avenue, at least as far as I've been told, they had to go to Washington Park. Um, same with uh, Maynard Jackson. Uh, they still would have had to come over to Washington Park. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, recreation provides access to so many opportunities, um, track, all the athle athletic opportunities that can happen, those, those things opened up for, for people in Atlanta. And black also, people. it also gave black people a sense that, okay, we're, we're approaching, a, a, you know, sort of first class citizenship. Well, progress. Right. For sure. We're progress. accepted. It's, it's okay for us to exist for, na for now. Somewhere. Finally. We have somewhere to exist and be who we are and be safe. So it gave a very, a very different sense of, of their uh, sort of their agency and, and, yes. and, and, and sense of ownership. And the ability to nurture oneself and, and goals. And just have a place to have fun with your children. And just have fun with your children. And not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And, and back in those days, uh, eventually the park uh, had a little um, railroad train that sort of went around our area that kids could get on. And um, there were, um, not circuses, what's the other, um, amusements. Right. Games. Mm -hmm. There was a piano in the p large pavilion. Those, those types of things were provided there. So there would be events there? There would be there. events like, there. Like what kind well, of Well, we have, uh, I was able to find an article uh, from 1932 
and the Atlanta Daily World started having their annual summer picnic out at the park. It was a fabulous article. I, I love it. I, we included it in the program on November 3rd because uh, it just really talks. It's so descriptive about the setting of the park, the wooded nature, being in the natural environment, and, and just being able to enjoy. And those folks worked hard, and they had camaraderie. Um, within their company. Now, when you were a little girl, you went to Washington Park, too. Yes, I did. Um, which would have been how long ago? <laughs> well, I've got a big birthday coming up, so uh, I'm, I am lucky enough to be old enough to have been around um, a lot of people who were there in the beginning. And I, I'm very blessed. So you had grandparents who would have been there yes. in the 20s and 30s. Yes, and my... my my grandmother's family built um, their house in Washington Park in 1921. So, so that's pretty fairly early on. What did the park seem like to you at the time? Oh, goodness. Um, it's just where I was. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to split that off now because the feeling is um, uh, so personal. Uh, and it's be even though I'm a volunteer, it's my job. Uh, so I think about it in 3D uh, as a, a sort of spirit, but the physicality of the park, um, I know it uh, uh, just about as good as I know the back of my hand. So it's, it's difficult to say. Uh, I know that, um, you know, my dad and I spent a lot of time out there and just sitting in the swing and and uh, I know exactly where that particular swing was um, I went to summer camp at the Ollie Street Y uh, now my grandmother's house was not that far away it was just uh, basically around the corner but my great-grandmother was very concerned to make sure that I was never hungry and so uh, my lunch my lunch bag was uh, extremely abundant good and uh, there's just a, just a overall, I, I, I certainly felt safe. Uh, and um, it, some, some folks would say it's sort of if, if Mayberry were real, <laughs> we had a Mayberry mm -hmm. to a degree. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew your family or somebody connected to you and you were seen about or cared about uh, wherever you went. And that refers to the whole neighborhood, Washington Park. Yes, but I really think it refers to the entire West Side. Mm -hmm. uh, because this was not created as sort of neighborhoods per se. It didn't, it didn't initially start that way. It was an opportunity for everybody. And of course, it just, it's just like Atlanta, the tentacles have grown out. But um, the West Side was the formation of these colleges, there's an elementary school, there's a high school. Here, here, come here, come this way. Whether you could get into Vine City or Washington Park or somewhere close by, here's where you can come and your children can do everything that they need to do to improve their lives. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it, it has a physical meaning. And uh, it, the Washington uh, High School has some significant uh, uh, alumni too. Well, certainly they have um, a deep bench. I believe at this point there's been at least 50,000 graduating classes since it started, and this is their 95th uh, anniversary. Um, but 
in, um, uh, in a deeper way, uh, Mr. Perry is responsible for the, that high school being there. Uh, he sold, that was a portion of his land, the land that it sits on, and he sold that land to the Atlanta public school system. And there was, there's a whole, you know, backstory about, you know, uh, political machinations where, um, you know, the power structure was trying to get some legislation passed and, and get, um, get that voted in by the public and black people would not vote for it. Those that could would not. And so some of that is the background of the leverage that was used from 1917 to get agreement that yeah, there has to be a high school for black people to go to. There just has to be. And so there's a whole you know, group of people, the ladies of the neighborhood union, um, a lot of people who came together to, to make some amazing things happen in spite of um, other difficulties. And, and uh, that, that grew out of, first of all, Washington Park, the park itself, <laughs> As a, as a kind of the seed for that for that whole yes. neighborhood. I mean, it, it, it literally put the, the pin in the map that said, okay, you know, we, the city of Atlanta, the state of Georgia, we agree that this, this land is set aside for a park. That's specifically for Negro so people. So the whole West End really kind of grew out of that. Well, let's, let's be clear when to say the whole West Side, because the West End already existed. Right. The West End existed before, I believe, before the Civil War. I, I, my understanding is it was a series of taverns along the railroads. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was up until probably until the late 50s and early 60s or so, that was always a, a white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So there's a, different, there's a difference there. Although in most people's mind, they'll, they'll think of the West Side, West side as West the End. West End. Right. But when we talk about breaking the color line in, the, in Washington Park, doing that the the white people that were already living in um you know the the borders of the district you know the closest place they went to was either mosley park or or into the west end but you know neighborhoods change right. names change and what some folks would have considered the west end is also ashview heights or you know so it's a it it's complicated now Speaking of things changing, what um, the, the 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 whole city changed? Uh, uh, patterns of growth went in different directions. Yes. Where does that leave Washington Park now? You mean now? Yeah. I think it remains to be seen. Uh, I, I think there's inevitable thing change happening. Um, just from a pers uh, layperson's perspective, because I I am not. Um, I don't have a, a background in real estate. Um, and of course, you know, the West Side um, has a high high senior population. And those are people who came to the West Side for all of their lifetime. And they don't have plans to move somewhere else. And they are under pressure. They're under stress. But by property values going property up, taxes well, going up. But uh, in real terms, in everyday terms, it is the fact that people are calling them or send, and sending them letters and standing outside of their house taking photos. Um, those types of things are causing people distress because we are talking about folks. They don't have in their mind that they, they didn't come to the West Side thinking, I'll go somewhere else. And then, you know, 
what is being offered is not enough in real terms to take. And then, you know, the moving is difficult for anybody, but when you're older, it can kill you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I feel very strongly about that. It's, that's, it, it just shouldn't be that way. Uh, I want to also make clear, I think people don't understand that those pressures has been, have been going on. They didn't just start just because the belt line has manifested physically. Right? Those things were happening in the, certainly in the 80s and, and especially in the 90s uh, because a lot of folks were engaging in uh, flipping, house flipping, mm-hmm. and mortgage fraud. So it's just been chipping away at it. And I think that it's coming to a critical moment. What I perceive as a person, as a human person just driving around, is that it's not like there's just a great influx of people who are new, regardless of race. I think that what I see is that, you know, these the houses that are for sale, the, the, the numbers are ridiculously high, you know, in the 350s, 450s, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there. They're, I don't see a whole lot of movement. So I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But I, as a human person and a person from Atlanta, um, I'm extremely concerned about what's being done to seniors. My concern is always about um, what, what's needed for the park and identifying those needs and then finding the ways to um, get solutions. Uh, And then also thinking about and working towards um, building this organization for the future, right? Uh, I think a lot of people go by public space and use public space and don't really think about what happens there. Uh, it's very easy in this, especially in the age that we live in with social media, to just complain. So, you know, we, as an organization, we, we have some goals, and those goals, number one, we've got to tell this story. We need people to understand that it's not just a green space. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is we need folks to understand that there are ways that you can contribute to the health and well-being of the green space, that it's more than just a place to have your family reunion and to party. You know, it's nurturing the future. Um, what's in my mind on a daily basis is just what will be happening 50 years from now? What, how can we influence that? Uh, how can we have an organization that is still there that advocates on behalf of Washington Park? If you could think of one thing that people could do to, uh, uh, to drive toward those, those goals that you're talking about, what would it be? Well, uh, every small nonprofit needs donations. I mean, that's just the way it is. And in order to, to do these things that we we're trying to do and, and tell the story, especially when we, there's so many photographs, there's so many, there's so, the, the layers of, of amazing people connected to that park and that have feelings of that park. So part of what we're doing is trying to archive the story. Uh, and we're trying to, particularly when you're dealing with really elderly people, uh, they don't want to let go of stuff too much, documents and photos, but we try to let people know that if you have a doc, uh, a photo that you want to share, that we're just going to take a picture, we're going to scan it, it doesn't have to leave you. And so that has really been picking up this year. That's a project that we will continue to work on uh, in the coming years. 
Uh, and additionally, um, Washington Park is uh, part of the Camp Best Friends program through the city of Atlanta. And I know there are uh, a little over 100 kids in that park in the summertime for the swim and tennis program. Uh, this year we were able to partner with the Atlanta Audubon Society and they came out and, and did a bird walk uh, with the little kids. And so that's a part of um, nurturing the future as we talk about uh, getting young people to sort of see the park in a different way, to see that it is the natural environment. Uh, these are the birds, these are the insects, and, and through that partnership with uh, Atlanta Audubon and the Green and Youth Foundation and, of course, Park Pride, um, we have uh, two new pollinator gardens that are really coming along very well, and those are opportunities to bring in additional programming through STEM um, and working directly with, with kids. Um, and so we want them to grow up knowing how to take care of the park, what it, what it means. I didn't know anything about that park uh, other than all that I've said to you until I was almost 40 years old. And you want them to grow up loving the park. Too. I want them to grow up loving so the park and so they'll take care of it in the future. I want them to see the, the layers, the nuances. It is, it is, We've, it's critical to get people to understand that it is more than just a place to come and have the family reunion. Those things are important, but you've got to contribute. You've got to love it too, and that's got to be manifested. So donations work. Volunteerism is inc incredibly important, but we need to focus in, in the community, or in, in the community of the West Side that love the park, but they don't think about it as something that is living. It's something that needs care. Is we going out there, we're going to have a party, and we, oh, we had a good time at Washington Park. It's, that's great, but there's more to the story. But yeah, you can always, of course, visit Washington Park anytime you want, right? Right, right. And uh, the uh, uh, Miss Jackson would also like to hear from people who uh, have a connection with it. People, oh, okay. um, the, uh, they're, they're, they're involved in, in fact, in organizing young people to go out and take oral histories from those who, oh, cool. uh, uh, who have a connection to the park. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, if, if, you, if, if you have a connection to the park, your family has a connection to the park, I'm sure that they would love to hear from you. And I'm sure we'll have that information online as well about how to get in touch with them and that sort of stuff. I, I have put in a request to uh, talk with some of the folks uh, in the uh, Georgia Historic um, Preservation who uh, told me about a, uh, a project um, back in, uh, I think it was um, perhaps 2007, uh, some students at uh, Georgia State University under the direction of Tim Crimmins um, uh, uh, filed a, uh, what would you call it, an application to uh, make make the neighborhood and the park uh, a, a historic neighborhood. And, oh, okay. I, and I've forgotten what the terminology yeah. is. What do you so say? It's a de designated. designated. Yeah, a designated uh, historical site of some sort, I and guess. And that happened, uh, that happened back then. And uh, so th those are folks that also have a lot of information right. about the park. Thanks so much, Bo. Hey, thanks, Shane. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. Christmas can be a very kid-centric time of year. 
But there are plenty of activities that are definitely more adult-focused. Outfront Theater Company offers Christmas with the Crawfords, an evening of campy fun based on the actual Christmas Eve live radio broadcast from Joan Crawford's Brentwood Mansion in 1949. It runs through December 21st at the company's home at 999 Brady Avenue, and tickets are $15 to $25. Get more info at OutfrontTheater.com. Out of Box Theater in Marietta presents the holiday sketch show, Santa After Hours, when things can get a little naughty. As the company's website says, this ain't family friendly. Check it out through December 21st at the Artisan Resource Center on Cobb Parkway. Tickets are $21 and you can find them at outofboxtheater.com. Over at Dad's Garage near downtown Atlanta, Charles Dickens meets There's No Telling Who in the group's annual improvisational holiday show. It runs through December 28th and tickets are $25.50 to $49.50. Find out more at dadsgarage.com. For the perfect date night, enjoy music, food, and drinks at the Fernbank After Dark Holiday Party from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. December 13th at the Fernbank Museum of Natural History on Clifton Road. Admission is $19.95. Go to fernbankmuseum.org for all the details. To experience a family-friendly holiday tradition, the Atlanta area offers lots of opportunity to see the classic ballet, The Nutcracker. The Roswell Dance Theater performs it through December 8th at the Byers Theater in the Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center. Find out more at roswellnutcracker.com. The Gwinnett Ballet Theater's production runs December 6th through the 22nd at the Infinite Energy Center, and that website is infiniteenergycenter.com. The Georgia Ballet and the Georgia Ballet Orchestra will bring Visions of Sugar Plums to the Jenny T. Anderson Theater at the Cobb Civic Center, December 6th through the 8th. Those details are at georgiaballet.org. Atlanta Dance Theater's take on the Nutcracker will take the stage at the Roswell Cultural Arts Center, December 13th through the 15th. Get your tickets at atlantadancetheater.org. Ethnic Dance Company's annual Urban Nutcracker has performances at Morehouse College on December 11th, 14th, and 15th, and at the Porter Sanford III Performing Arts and Community Center, December 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Find out more at ballethnic.org. To see it in the Fox one last time, get tickets at foxtheater.org. And don't forget about your four-legged furry companions. Santa Paws Nights provide a little holiday spirit for the pets, where they'll get the opportunity to pose for a free photo with Santa. Santa Paws Nights happen at the SunTrust On Up Experience at the Battery from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. December 8th and 15th. Find out more at onupmovement.suntrust.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felician. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.